Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with you as always. And in today's show, I'll be previewing the NFC North for fantasy football in 2022 in just a moment. Got a great guest on the show. You probably saw in the title. I'll be joined by Pierre Wilson from Fantasy Impact today. Moments from now to preview the NFC North. That segment was already recorded. It was a lot of fun. And it's going to be the vast majority of this episode. I'm just recording something here first because I want to get in my seventh bull take of the offseason. And then we'll get right to that. So, of course, NFC North preview on today's show. Bold take coming right up. You can always follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF. At SGF pod for the podcast. Second in fantasy at gmail.com is where you send fantasy questions or you can DM at SGF pod. And we'll try to get your questions on the show. If you have questions, it's draft season. Of course, everybody has questions. Send them over and we may end up talking about them or I may end up talking about them. I'll probably end up talking about them on a future show. It's going to be a lot of fun. So feel free to send those over. Drop a follow. All of that. Let's get started. Bull take time. Bull take seven. We've had six of those. Go back to those previous episodes to hear some more bold takes. And we're getting right back to it after that fantasy football draft guide show last week. My bold take is that Robert Tunyon, the current fantasy football tight end 19 on fantasy pros will finish higher than the current tight end 10 Dawson Knox in fantasy football, half PPR 2022. And this one is simple for me. And I think just Robert Tunyon is going to have so much more opportunity than Dawson Knox. And the fact is we know they're both playing with elite quarterbacks, Josh Allen for the bills and Robert, uh, Aaron Rodgers for the Packers. But the thing about it is, I mean, Aaron Rodgers now without Devontae Adams, he doesn't have anywhere to throw it. Alan Lazard is now his wide receiver one. So Robert Tunyon is really seems like the consensus, at least second or third target here in this offense, in an offense where there really isn't a true number one, his target share should be the highest of his career this year. And we've seen him have production in the past. Two years ago, it was really because of that 10 touchdown season. I don't expect a ton of touchdowns again, but I expect him to be at least somewhat of a red zone weapon and those targets to fly up enough so that we don't get too many of those inconsistent weeks like we've had with him in the past. The problem is with Dawson Knox that he's been all about inconsistent weeks and the bills are just as crowded as ever in that receiving room. They do have a dominant wide receiver one. They have a QB that likes to run it too. That takes away from the targets, but Stefan Diggs as their wide receiver one will dominate. And then Gabriel Davis is the wide receiver two there. And I don't think there's any doubt about it after his playoff performance last year. I think maybe he'll be inconsistent at times but again they have another good receiver underneath and Jamison Crowder who they just signed who we know takes up a lot of targets he always finds ways to get open and he's forgotten about a lot but the fact is he's a good receiver and then oh man Khalil Shakir out of Boise State also kind of great but he's a late round pick but even so just the fact is Dawson Knox has a lot more to compete with and we've seen throughout his career just him being inconsistent he's picked up a touchdown or two in a game sometimes exploded but more often than not has disappointed you for, uh, you, for the majority of your fantasy weeks. And so I'm not drafting him at tight end 10. I'm not taking that middle round shot on a guy who has already been with Josh Allen and hasn't broken out. Tunyon has broken out with Aaron Rodgers in the past, and now Adams is gone. This feels like the easy smash over Dawson Knox. There's really no doubt about it in my mind that Tunyon finishes ahead of Knox in fantasy football, because why wouldn't he? I mean, he's got more opportunity. Both are with great quarterbacks, and he's done it in the past. And Knox did it for part of last season, but then fell off a lot as well and was very inconsistent. So overall, it's going to be Tunyon over Knox for me in fantasy football next year. Should be for you as well. So that's my bold take. Three more of those coming for the rest of the offseason. Now let's get to that NFC North preview. Get to hear that. 
It was a great time talking to Pierre on there. Also check out the NFC East preview that's in your feed with Shane Manila. And yeah, a couple of great guests there. More guests are to come. So let's get to it. Here is the NFC North preview with Pierre Wilson. All right. And so now I'd like to welcome in our great guest to today's show. Like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, um, he's a friend of a friend from the uh, Scott Fishbowl 12 Sirius XM live draft that I did. I was in that live division with a bunch of other people and we were all on a stream together. That was a lot of fun. And I'm glad to have him on now to chop it up about some fantasy football. We've got Pierre Wilson from Fantasy Impact today on the episode. Pierre, it's great to have you today. Glad to talk um, some fantasy with you here on this first uh, divisional preview that I'm doing on the podcast. A lot of great questions I think we're talking about today, and it's going to be a lot of fun. How are you doing? Doing well, Calvin. Thanks for having me. Uh, wasn't sure. I know you you took all the rookies in the the Scott Fishbowl draft, mm. all my rookie receiver targets. So I wasn't sure where we stood, but uh, appreciate the invite and looking forward to diving into this NFC North today. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a blast a few weeks ago when we had um, on the live draft stream and all of that. And I can't wait for the season as well. That's going to be a really fun division. And it seems tough, but very exciting for sure. It is tough. That's the one downside to to some extent was like we were all, you know, analysts, I think for except for Jonathan, which Mm -hmm. everyone knew their stuff. Whereas some divisions, usually you can, you know, get away with waiting on some players here or there, but not this one. Guys are on top of everything. So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody was on the ball and this one for sure. And it's gonna be a great season. So I guess for you, obviously, you're from Fantasy Impact today, your contributor mm-hmm. over there. Anything else you want to plug your Twitter or anything else before we get started? Oh, uh, yeah, you can follow me at Wee 31 uh, Fantasy Impact Today's our, our network. I'm uh, the host of the DFS streamers. Uh, so I'm more on the daily fantasy side of things, but I, I do play season long. And again, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to diving in. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So for the, uh, like I mentioned at the top, it's going to be the NFC North uh, preview here. And we've got the four NFC North teams, Bears, Lions, Packers, and Vikings, and about three or four questions for them. So we're just going to try to preview, I guess, each team for fantasy as a whole, but also with these questions, which are some of the biggest ones to consider, at least it seems like heading into this season. Um, So I'm ready to get started. If you are, you want to start with the Bears? Yeah, let's go into the Bears. All right. So for the Bears, of course, coming off of a difficult last season and now like coming into uh, year two for Justin Fields, a lot of people think they didn't do enough this offseason to surround him with better guys on the O-line, especially receivers where they didn't really bring in anybody. So now with Darnell Mooney being their top receiver, Allen Robinson's now gone from the team and really Cole Komet is the only other viable target that we know of at this point, unless somebody breaks out, unless Byron Pringle has an amazing season out of nowhere. Justin Fields is kind of, he's not set up for success. I think there's no doubt that he has a lot of talent, but mm-hmm. if for a guy who was a bit inconsistent last year in his reads, I don't know if he's in a great spot to develop in year two, but he's also got that incredible rushing upside, which we know can break fantasy football. So Pierre, what do you think for Justin Fields in terms of his ceiling? What do you see as like his, the highest he could be here in year two and like his p- potential for fantasy? Yeah, well, what you mentioned is kind of the concern. Like they, they didn't really go out get him any support, not on the O-line, not what is receiving core. Uh, so I'm not too big on him. I, I think his rushing upsides, the the one thing that has folks drafting him a little higher, I feel, than he should go this year. Uh, I'm going to put him at around probably QB 20 is probably the highest I think he can get, and that's with his rushing upside. Um, I know he didn't start off last year, but he finished right around uh, QB 31. 
Uh, but you mentioned no Allen Robinson's gone. You know, the year before they got rid of Charles Le- Charles Leno, uh, one of the big tackles that they had. You know, he's in Washington now. So, Kokomat, uh, Mooney, what are they really going to do to really up, you know, Justin Fields and his level of play? Uh, you go from throwing to Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, you know, those top, you know, first-round type receivers to, to now Mooney, Pringle, uh, Equinemia, St. Brown type. So, not mm-hmm. sold on Fields this year. Well, we'll again, we'll see what his rushing upside can do, but I just don't think he has the help that he's going to need. Yeah, I agree with that. He was in and out of the lineup for most of year one. He actually ended up playing quite a few games, but yeah, he's just not surrounded with very much at all. And then like now we've got, I guess, Tevin Jenkins coming back from his injury, but at the same time, there were trade talks with him. Like, it doesn't seem like he's getting along too well, at least with the bears. And I don't know if he's going to be around there much longer, but like that gives rid of yet another upside piece that might've helped out Justin Fields. But I think I agree. It's going to have to be his rushing upside. That's carrying his fantasy value. There's no way he becomes an elite passer in year two with this receiving core. In my opinion, I still think he could be a top 15, like borderline guy as maybe his ceiling. But I, because we saw a lot of games last year where like mm-hmm. San Francisco in week eight, he put up 26.3 fantasy points, ran for over 100 yards. He's got that upside. A number of other games as well, where he would have six, seven, eight plus attempts on the ground, maybe not even throw for very many yards. But as long mm-hmm. as he picks up a touchdown and some yards on the ground, he'd have a good fantasy game. So it's going to be inconsistent. I think he's probably going to get sacked a lot. Also probably going to run for a lot of yards, but not provide much week to week fantasy value. I agree with you there. I think they're going to let him scramble, too. So you look at Ibraflusu, who came over from the coach. He's more defensive-minded, mm-hmm. you know, type of head coach. So we'll, we'll see if the offensive coordinator uh, can kind of get Fields, you know, to scramble and get him out just on the loose, let him run around a bit will be the key, I think, to his season. Uh, but, again, I'm I'm just not so that that will be the case there in mm-hmm. Chicago. Could be a long season uh, there for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's it's hard to see this team making a huge leap this season, for sure. Moving on to the running back game. Of course, for the last couple of years, the starter there has been David Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing the camp hype, which everybody gets the camp hype. We know that. But Khalil Herbert, who was a standout last year, is getting camp hype. And Tristan mm-hmm. Ebner is also who's the new there is getting some hype as well. And it's like there's some speculation that maybe it's not going to be Montgomery like He's not probably going to be like an elite snap share workhorse dominator kind of guy. I don't know. This seems a lot like a lot of fluff to me. And I think that Montgomery is going to get a decent amount of carries. But does this is this like an issue for him? Do you think at all? I don't know if it's that much because I mean, it might these guys might just be more of a change of pace, change of pace options and just preventing Montgomery from getting like top level 20 plus carries a game kind of numbers which would be a bit crazy does this just help his efficiency more than it hurts his workload or is this like any sort of problem for him next year so i'm personally not worried about it so i know it's tough uh when you you hear the things coming out of camp it's kind of all you mm-hmm. have to go off of but uh as you mentioned herbert looked really good you know in the the times that montgomery was hurt last year um but once montgomery got back it was the day at montgomery show again even with herbert's production uh, when Montgomery was out. So I don't, I don't think that's going to change. Um, I do feel like you'll, you'll kind of spell him a bit. You don't want to wear guys down. Uh, you want them to obviously last the season. He did have a couple injury issues last year, uh, but I'm still rolling with him. I think he'll be the, the main workhorse back. I think they'll need to depend on him. As we just mentioned, their, their pass score isn't great. Uh, Phil's doesn't have a lot of options there, and Phil's is only going to scramble around so much. Uh, so I do think they'll lean on Montgomery, and I feel like these other guys like Herbert 
will probably be more in play as spell type of guys because of how much they'll, they'll likely have to run due to mm-hmm. how poor their passing game is. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. And Ebner, who, again, like he was getting hype. He's a sixth round draft pick. So like exactly. we know most RBs after round three don't even end up being much other than backups. It's very much of a long shot that with an established guy there, this guy comes mm-hmm. in and takes carries. But then again, Khalil Herbert was an undrafted free agent. So you never know. It's just like, I think the better bet, like you said, is that Montgomery is just going to be his usual self. And those guys will spell him more as change of pace. Yeah, it's about opportunity. So, I mean, if Montgomery goes down, then yeah, Ebner or, or Herbert could get their change. But if he's healthy, uh, you got to get the ball to your, your best running back. And I think he's hands down the, the best back in this backfield. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Last question for the Bears, and I kind of already mentioned it earlier. Mm-hmm. There's almost no one there other than Darnell Mooney, who is the clear wide receiver one in this offense, mm-hmm. who was actually pretty productive as the wide receiver one in this offense last year. And I'm calling him the wide receiver one because Allen Robinson was non-existent. I think he was very clearly the wide receiver one there even last year. But now it's him and Cole Komet. And I like Cole Komet next year at his value as like a borderline tight end one draft pick. I think he has some upside just because he's the number two option there. And he seemed like i mean second round draft pick came in was pretty solid overall like he looked decent on the field but it's gonna be mooney i don't think there's any question about his target share is there anybody else you're drafting in chicago or at least even like a deep league are you going are you is that the only reason you're gonna draft any other chicago receiver yeah i have to be deep uh because that receiving course just not great um i know they picked up pringle I mean, he had Mahomes throwing the ball in, in previous seasons. Yeah. Justin Fields isn't Mahomes. Someone's going to get an opportunity. So um, that's the, the key. Uh, Equinemia St. Brown, to me, would be one I would maybe take a risk on just based off camp if you believe in camp hype. Uh, he's getting quite a bit of opportunity there. He's he's in the, the starter set with Pringle and with Mooney. So uh, he had Rodgers, you know, obviously throwing him the ball and couldn't really take that step. But the, the Packers have a, a decent – core and they they did obviously with the Adams there and I know we'll get to that here a bit later when we discuss them but St. Brown may be one to, to take late but it has to be a really really deep draft for me to take anyone outside of Mooney and commit as a pass catcher for the Bears yeah and then I think the last guy you're considering there and even I'm not considering him at all but early <laughs> third round pick this year Velis Jones Jr. he went at number 71 but He's also, I I don't like him at all because first of all, that was a surprising pick even in the third round, at least in my eyes, but he's already 25 years old and he played for six years and really had his best year by far last year at Tennessee. Like what? That's not something to like in terms of being a star receiver or any kind of fantasy producer. He's 25 years Uh, old, just came into the draft. He was dominating against guys much younger than him in his final Well, yeah, that's that's a head scratcher. Like you stated, it's like, what are they they doing? And so... I don't get it. I know I know Nagy got a lot of the blame, uh, potentially so. Uh, we'll see that coming up, but you gotta help. You gotta help Fields. And I don't I don't think Felvis Jones is the the one to help. Uh, yeah. you had you mentioned the age and just kind of dominating younger, you know, college players, but he also didn't really have any metrics or attributes that just kind of jumped out at you. Uh, yeah. even with him being that age. So I don't I don't get it. I won't be touching him at all. <laughs> we'll mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And the fact was, yeah, you're right. He didn't have, doesn't have the metrics and also just didn't have the college production really at all. Didn't do much at USC, did a little at Tennessee, but he wasn't, you didn't hear about him week to week on college football highlight shows or anything like that. He wasn't lighting up scoreboard. He had 800 yards in his final year. Like it wasn't anything crazy at all. 
And yeah, it's a guy I'm staying away from for sure. Although like that's the, the only thing is the third round capital makes it slightly interesting. Yeah. And then it just doesn't because it just, it's so hard to trust it, like kind of profile like that. You still got to beat out, you know, you got to beat out guys that have, have done it. Like the, yeah. the St. Browns, like we mentioned, I know we talked about Pringle. Uh, didn't they get Harry uh, from the, the Patriots? I think he may have got hurt today, but Nikhil Harry, uh, they, they traded for him for mm-hmm. the, the Patriots. He's a former first round pick. So there's still guys he's going to have to beat in the depth chart. And there's no guarantee he can do that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, for the Bears, just seems pretty muddled over there. It might be a mess, but I think we'll see some highlight plays out of Justin Fields a few times next year. Mm-hmm. Next up, the Lions, who are, of course, also in a rebuild. I think set to take somewhat of a leap this year. But the question is, it all comes down to the quarterback. It all comes down to Jared Goff. And he does have a okay O-line. He's got a lot of weapons there now. A lot of guys that they added. DJ Shark, Jamison Williams, who will probably miss the first six or so games of the season, maybe half the season, maybe not be fully right until later on. And then, of course, Hawkinson is, I mean, a great security blanket. And DeAndre Swift coming back, that's huge. as He's already an elite pass catcher, one of the best running back pass catchers in this league. Is Jared Goff set up to take a leap is my question. And also, do you think he will like take a significant leap for fantasy and for real life next year? So Goff really interested me this year because, as you mentioned, the weapons. He he has guys that can catch the ball. Uh, you mentioned the addition of Shark. I know uh, Jamison won't be ready quite yet, but, I mean, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Ended the season really, really stellar. I love Hawkinson myself. I, I feel like he's kind of going under the radar because of the time he missed. So golf set up for success. And he, he's shown he can be successful from a, a fantasy standpoint when he was with the Rams. You know, he had some top 10 QB finishes with the, the Rams. So if you like uh, these pass catchers, if you like Swift, I think you have to like golf by default. And when you look at where he finished last year, he was right around like 25. Um, I think he has top 15 type potential uh, in this offense with the weapons that he has. So I do like golf as kind of a, a sleeper um, QB two type. He's going around QB three in most drafts, but uh, I think he could be a QB two uh, if he can stay healthy and if his weapons can stay healthy. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. And I think it's going to be better than it was last year in terms of production. And it'll also probably be better just in real life too, because we know golf has always been historically much, much, much better with a clean pocket and almost mm-hmm. like a solid QB with a clean pocket. But it doesn't matter if you can't throw it on against the blitz and golf is one of the worst at that. But as long as he can get protection can pretty consistently, we'll see some good fantasy weeks out of him. I agree with you. There. I agree. Yeah. I mean, they, they got schools. They got some guys that they're trying to keep him upright. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, what the, the pass catchers help, like good receivers go a long way. And I think that's kind of underappreciated. Uh, a lot when it comes to to, to real football, uh, we can tell from a fantasy point standpoint. But look at at Burrow, for example. Everyone got on the Bengals because they didn't take, you know, an offensive lineman. They went and got Jamar Chase. But, you know, their Super Bowl appearance later because yeah. he had guys that could he can get the ball out to that can make plays. And I feel like Detroit's kind of going that route a bit themselves, getting some pass catchers. Yeah. And then oftentimes, like, I think this offseason, the way they built their offensive line ended up being signing quite a few, like, solid guys. And I think Mm -hmm. for an offensive line, you don't necessarily need to have a star. If you've got five solid guys together who can all have work well together as a unit, I mean, that can still be a great offensive line for sure. 
Exactly. And they got a coach who's a motivator. And Campbell's a motivator and everybody's mm-hmm. going to rally around him as well. So I, I do. I, I like the, the Lions. I don't know if they'll, they'll, they'll shock anyone, but they'll definitely be better um, and give themselves a chance to, to kind of be in that playoff hunt now that you're looking at seven teams uh, that make the playoff. Yeah, they're going to be fun to watch it for sure. In the running game for them, of course, like I mentioned, it's DeAndre Swift, who over the first couple of years has been just a fantastic pass catcher went on the field and very efficient in the ground game. We saw him last year split work with Jamal Williams. We also saw him get injured like he did. He really for the past two years, he's the RB eight in fantasy pros, half PPR consensus rankings. So there's the optimism is sky high and it makes sense because of what we saw really when he was on the field last year, he was an RB one. He was the top 10 guy. So is the optimism too high? Do you think does he have top five upside and like, where would you be comfortable drafting him next year? He has the upside. Um, the injuries always scare me. When you, you see guys that can't stay healthy, that's concerning. I know you can't have that mindset, you know, going into your, your drafts. Mm-hmm. You can't assume someone's going to get hurt. So I think that's why he, he's going where he's going. Uh, he, he's definitely, you know, top 10. Will he finish top five? Probably not. I mean, even with half PPR, full PPR, there's some, there's some good running backs in there. When you look at Taylor yeah. McCaffrey, you know, Najee Harris, a lot of people were expecting the, to take the next step, Eckler. So he's going to be behind those guys for sure. Uh, there's a, a couple guys that we're going to talk about within his division that I have, you know, over him as well. So the top 10, yeah, uh, you hope he can stay on the field. But, I mean, Jamal Williams is solid. He's going to get some touches uh, there behind him also. But I do like Swift. I hope he can stay healthy. We saw the production with that there. Um, but I don't think I'm taking him as high as he's currently going in most drafts. Yeah. RB8 definitely feels a lot like a kind of a paying for his ceiling kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's in a weird spot to where I also don't mind ranking him at eight, nine or 10, because there are seven guys above him who I think are clearly above. It's JT mm-hmm. McCaffrey, Eckler, Cook, Henry, Harris and Mixon. I'm reading them in the order of that fantasy pros has them and I would all have them over Swift. There's a couple guys behind him, like Jones, Barkley, maybe Nick Chubb, who mm-hmm. you would consider. But after that, it does fall off a good bit to where Swift being in this range is not unreasonable. It's just difficult because he's a number eight guy who I would never see going at, like I would never expect to see going at seven or six in a draft. Like if DeAndre Swift went at six, I'd be very surprised in a normal draft, even at seven, because there's all, all those wide receivers there, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It, yeah it, it's, and and no. you mentioned guys that are, are behind him that for one good leaping, but there's, there's guys even lower, like your Ezekiel Elliott's. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you mentioned Kamara, like if he doesn't get suspended, oh, fair, yeah. then obviously Kamara's going to jump there. If, if, if his cases keep getting bumped back. Um, so it's just, I don't know, Javante Williams, you know, I really like him. There's the, the Melvin Gordon concern, but there's, there's so many different variables that can happen with Swift. Whereas the, the seven guys you named above him, I think are pretty set in stone. And then from there, it's almost like a coin toss uh, for me. So that's the that's the the, the hesitation I have with him. Uh, I, I feel like you you can take him top eight. I'm just gonna let other people do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll only take him if he drops down to. Yeah, fair enough. And that's a great point about Kamara too, because I've been reading like all of that and then all the stuff about him. And then like our division mate, Drew Davenport, who also mm-hmm. puts out the legal updates, who believes very strongly that Alvin Kamara won't get suspended this year and that it'll be next year. So it's something to monitor and it's something that like he's at RB 13 
And overall, in on Fantasy Pros, and overall, he's going near the end of the second round. That's just such an easy pick to make. If you're at the early part of the first, have mm-hmm. JT or McCaffrey, and Kamara falls back to you, that's too good of an RB duo to pass up. And he's got so much upside. And really, there's a very, very, very good chance that he's just like the RB6 going at the RB13 oh, yeah. for no reason right now. Exactly. And and now that the, the reports are coming out about his case getting pushed back, pushed back, he's going to start to climb. Like you're not going to get that late second round value. If folks continue to, to hear news that, you know, he's going to play a full season. The only reason he's that low because folks expecting to miss four or six games, you cancel that out and you're getting really great value on Alvin Kamara right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, it looks good. And I think he's a guy definitely consider and probably would take over Swift at this point mm-hmm. just because of that. But yeah, at wide receiver for the lions, of course, like we mentioned, Amon Ross St. Brown, they signed DJ Chark and it's Jamison Williams who they say he's going to come back in October. I think maybe it's going to be, it's probably going to be a few games after that where he's just, you know, getting his feet under him. But I loved him as a prospect, loved his athleticism and speed and felt like he was more of a complete receiver than just a speed guy and would have maybe even been the top receiver in this class had it not been for his injury. Mm-hmm. So you're drafting him for that late season upside and him being maybe the wide receiver one in this offense. Yeah. But is that, upside high enough to where he's worth drafting in your eyes i would draft him uh absolutely um you look at i take odell beckham as a pretty good example his rookie season uh i think he only missed four games but he ended up being you know the offensive rookie of the year after missing four games and i think jamison williams has that type of upside um once he's on the field once he's healthy uh, I had him probably too. I, I really like Chris Olave personally, but he was right behind Olave for me when it came to, to rookie wide receivers. And if you have a, a deep bench or if you have a spot where you have an IR or two that you can place him on, uh, he's definitely someone you would like to have on your roster and, and maybe give you that extra oomph uh, there later in the season. Once he's back, uh, for one, he's young, you know, young guys, uh, you're one yourself. You guys heal a little quicker than some mm-hmm. of us older guys. So uh, you can see him even return maybe even a little bit earlier, depending on how he responds to to treatment, things along those lines, uh, coming off the injury there. But I would definitely take a risk uh, with him uh, and draft him a bit late if you can get him. Yeah. And like you said, that's a great point about IR, because that makes all the difference for me. If you don't have an IR spot in your league, if you have a thin bench, it's hard to draft him. And maybe in the last round, but – at some point, I, I just see a future where if I had Jamison Williams in a league with no IR, week three comes around and I need a tight end, he's off the roster. Yeah. And then it just wasn't worth it. But if you have a slot or even two, which would be great, wide receiver 61 is where he is on Fantasy Pros right now. That's a great shot to take. And mm-hmm. then you just draft him, throw him on the IR, pick up a guy that you might have drafted otherwise, and boom. I mean, it's just like he will he can sit there until he's healthy. And that'll be huge for your fantasy team late in the season. If like, there's a very good chance it could be if he comes back and mm-hmm. again, gets his feet under him near the fantasy playoffs, he could be great. Exactly. That's when you, that's when you want him. That's when you, that's when you're hoping he returns right for that playoff push. Uh, we know he has the boom, you know, he's going to give you a ceiling with the, the talent that he has. And so being able to slot him in when you got to start, usually uh, three wide receivers in, in most leagues, uh, you can usually toss them into a flex as well versus, you know, your your two RBs that you have. It's it's even more important to have receiver depth. And he's the type of guy that is like a, a trade or a, a big free agent addition if you're getting him healthy yeah. and you, you didn't have him earlier in the year. Absolutely. 
Last question for the Lions. How are we approaching the other receivers? And like, I guess it ties back into Williams because it all depends on what we're definitely thinking. I think Williams probably has the most it's yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't want to say the most talent out of this group. It's very possible. Maybe the most athleticism out of this yeah. group, because I think St. Brown is a guy that is very athletic as well, but doesn't wow me in the same way that Jamison did. But St. Brown was also very, very, very productive in year one. So there's no guarantee. Maybe he comes in, maybe St. Brown, because he handled a ton of targets late in the mm-hmm. season. He continues to have that heavy target share. Chark, who I think is also okay, could be there and maybe Williams never quite takes over in year one but like does do Brown St. Brown how much upside does St. Brown have for you and same with Chark I guess so I I love I'm on Ross St. Brown and it's mostly because of how he finished the season and Mm -hmm. I know a lot of folks are are kind of down on him it feels because of the the Chark edition and because of the the Williams draft pick but what he put out from a production standpoint why do you feel like that's going to change yeah. Um, you got Jamison. He's going to miss, you know, a decent amount of time. Even if, if Chark's on the field, you, you have to feel that that connection with golf, he has that connection. Why would that go anywhere? So you look and he finished, I believe, like, what, 24? I received 24 mm-hmm. uh, last year in a PPR format. There's no reason that that's going to change. Uh, it may even get better because you look at the beginning of the year, he was kind of invisible. And right around week 12, week 13, uh, when Hawkinson kind of went down, is kind of where he kind of took the next step and and started to shine. And I feel like that's not going to change. Now that that connection is there with golf, now that he's a big part of that offense, probably going to be in the slot. I I really feel like he's still going to excel. So I do like I'm on Ron St. Brown, and I feel like he could probably finish top 20 uh, if he gets the opportunity there and if Williams continues to stay hurt. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you like you said, Hawkinson going out helped him for sure. But he got a chance to develop that connection with golf. And Hawkinson coming back does not mean he's going to be bad. He had double digit targets in each of the last six games of the season, 12 between 10 and 12 every game, at least 11.3 fantasy points and half PPR every game. Probably I think it was the wide receiver three or four during that stretch. It was incredible. Like if Hawkinson comes back, his targets even go down like his targets in during that stretch, he was on a pace to where you take knock off four targets and he's still nice and solid for fantasy, even at his price. And that's even like, not even a guarantee that like you knock off that much. That's a lot. So obviously I don't think last season's end of season pace is sustainable. I don't think he's Mm going to be the wide receiver three, but he could lose a lot and still be a value in drafts. Yeah. And you have to think that sometimes addition of other playmakers helps you out. Like a lot at the end of last year, he was he was basically it, and yeah. he was still putting up the numbers that he was putting up. If you add in Hawkinson as a threat, you add in a healthy DJ chart, they're gonna draw defenders away, and that's gonna just open Amon Ross St. Brown up even more. Same with a healthy Swift out of the backfield. Yeah, you could sometimes lose some targets, but a lot of your targets are also gonna be better because of the way that the other playmakers on your team are taking away defenders. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for the Lions. Both the Lions and the Bears are kind of in a rebuild, but I like the Lions as prospects a lot more personally, just in terms of how they're building this team. Um, I mean, I don't know if you agree with that, but I I think – I, I do. Know, it's like, I, I like the Lions quite a bit, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're going to take a bigger leap. And it, it's just – it comes down to – I don't know. I, if Justin Fields was in the Lions' situation, can you imagine? I think that would be <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that would be sweet. Unfortunately, we don't get the 
to play that game. That's more of a Madden type of deal. But, yeah, I agree. It would be awesome to see him in that offense, in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. So next up is the Green Bay Packers, of course, with Aaron Rodgers, who are in a much better spot to contend for a Super Bowl right now, at least than those prior two teams. The first question comes down to the back-to-back MVP, Aaron Rodgers, who has been great and I think will continue to be great. Does he take a step back, though, a significant step back or a regular step back without Devontae Adams, who's now gone to uh, Las Vegas? I think that's the question because his top receiver is Alan Lazard. How much is that going to hurt Rodgers next year? That's the that's the question of the offseason for the Packers, I think. So yep. we, we know the talent that Aaron Rodgers has, and we know that that talented quarterbacks tend to, to help their, their receivers get better. They make their teams better. So I, I do expect Lazard to, to take that next step. But Devontae Adams was, I feel, the top receiver in the NFL. And you lose something when you lose the top receiver in the NFL. Great route runner, great hands. So it's it's going to be tough for, for Rodgers, at least initially. I, I feel like once they, they kind of get a rhythm, once they get used to guys, uh, they'll get better. Sometimes not being as dependent on a, a top guy like Adams can actually help an offense. Uh, but I, I do feel like there's going to be hiccups early on without Adams there. And that's a concern is how much is that going to impact them early? Mm-hmm. I, I still like Aaron Rodgers. I, I still think he's obviously one of the top quarterbacks, but I do feel like Adams being gone is going to have an impact on him early in this season for sure. Yeah. I think that's a good point about it being early. And I mean, you like, you, you like there's nobody there that he's really been with other than Lazard and then Robert Tunyon. So maybe when you later in the season, I don't know about Sammy Watkins, there's maybe that he becomes relevant, gets a connection. Maybe Christian Watson, who I actually like late in drafts, who is a raw prospect, but mm-hmm. could potentially do something later in the season with Rodgers. And there's a lot of upside for that there, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But for Rodgers specifically, I think yeah, the beginning of the season is going to be tough. Probably not a reliable week-to-week starter, although he'll probably end up still putting up borderline QB1 numbers because he's really, really good at football. Yes. Yes, but, Sammy yeah, Watkins, I, you can only play him week one. Yeah, After oh, week absolutely. one, you need to drop Sammy Watkins. But, yeah, I, I agree with Rodgers. I think they're going to lean on the running backs a little bit more, and I think you're probably about to transition into them yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and then there it is. So ne- the next question, of course, that we have here is about Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, one of the best – maybe one of the best actually one-two punches at running back in the league. It's mm-hmm. a very good one. And A.J. Dillon, for a lot of last year, was very efficient on the ground. and what we saw was there just wasn't often enough for AJ Dillon to consistently be a change of pace and get entire drives to himself, mm-hmm. Devontae Adams to get top tier targets, and then Aaron Jones to still be a bell cow. I don't think Aaron Jones is ever going to be a bell cow because he's more of an efficiency guy and he's mm-hmm. going to get good work, but not like Derrick Henry work or anything. Obviously that'd be kind of crazy, but now with Adams gone, does Jones like Jones has dealt with guys like this before, maybe not to the talent level of Dylan, but Jamal Williams was a similar situation. Mm-hmm. Is there still a way that Aaron Jones gets like top 15, top 12 level carries in the league has like a high 4.85 yards of carry and becomes a good RB one next year. Absolutely. I love Aaron Jones this year. And the main reason for that is because Devonte Adams is gone. Uh, when you look at the, the games in which, Adams miss Aaron Jones's target share like skyrockets. He yeah. becomes he almost becomes like the top receiver on the Packers when you look at the the actual stats when Devontae Adams misses. And I, I feel like that's going to be the case. Um, I feel like he's probably going to be one of their better pass catchers. 
you'll see him and Dylan on the field together uh, quite a bit more this year without Adams there. And it's because you're going to be, you know, putting Jones in motion and kind of using him more as a slot type of receiver as running back. I think the Colts, for example, are going to do this a lot with Naeem Hines this year as well uh, with him and Taylor. But, yeah, I like both Dylan and Jones quite a bit. And I do feel like Jones has that top 10 upside, probably even more uh, now that Devontae Adams is gone. Yeah, and that target share component is huge. Like you mentioned, if he gets four targets a game, five targets a game, gets a few catches a game, that Mm -hmm. is massive, especially in full PPR. It provides a great floor. And if you have those like 12 for 48 and no touchdown games, it makes it sting a little bit less if he has four catches for 23 yards or something like that, just to add on a little bit more so that he doesn't totally kill you. And then it adds to his upside a lot as well. But Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a great point for sure. And I'm... Also, I'm with you, especially on Jones. I like Dylan okay as well, but like mm-hmm. it, it's it's weird with Dylan because I don't in the back of my mind every if I ever take AJ Dylan, it'll just always be nagging me that he does not have top twelve upside himself. But yeah. at the same time, you're in that RB dead zone where it's like, well, does Miles Sanders really have top twelve upside? No. So then it becomes like, okay, he's kind of a value over there because he's going to put up better production probably than what Miles Sanders does or maybe similar. Or like a guy like CEH, he'll probably do better than CEH does overall mm-hmm. just because he's got a guaranteed floor right there. Well, and the, the, the aspect that I'm intrigued with with Dylan is down the goal line. So right mm-hmm, now, yeah. Rodgers calls his own number quite a bit. Uh, down there in the goal line, you know, throwing different out routes to Tunyon, to, to Adams. They may actually hand the ball off a little bit more in the goal line without Devontae Adams there now. Uh, this feels like a thunder and lightning type situation. I don't know if the Giants back when they had Brandon Jacobs, Ahmad Bradshaw, but it feels like one of those type of situations where you're going to have the, the lightning, which is Aaron Jones. You're going to have the thunder, which is A.J. Dillon. He's going to grind you out, uh, especially when it gets cold, like those cold weather uh, day mm-hmm. starts to turn there at Lambeau. I feel like those are going to be more your, your A.J. Dillon games, uh, whereas road games and maybe early on you could see a lot of the, the passing attack with Jones. But I do like Dillon quite a bit just because of the touchdown upside. I feel it's going to be a lot greater if Rodgers isn't calling his own number down the goal line. Yeah, that's also true. And I think he may even be – he's very likely to be the goal line back of choice there, even oh, yeah. over Jones. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so last question for the Packers – it's of course about that receiving core. And with Adams, it's very without Adams, excuse me, it's very, very depleted at the moment. I think Alan Lazard is the consensus top guy mm-hmm. there and the guy that Rogers will definitely trust the most. But there these guys are all at drastically different draft positions. A guy like Christian Watson's going much later, and also in my eyes, has maybe even more upside than Lazard, who we kind of know who he is at this point. He's not a superstar. Watson He's definitely not a superstar at this point, but is an early second round pick who has the tools to be something really, really good, maybe later rather than sooner, but he's definitely could. So Mm -hmm. does that make you like Watson better at cost or is Lazar just a guy who you think like you would rather take maybe in the forties in terms of wide receivers rather than Watson later on? I I think I still take Lazar. So I'm not Mm -hmm. a big Watson fan personally. Um, Coming from a, a small school there at North Dakota State, for one, so he didn't really play the the level of competition uh, that most receivers do, D1. I know he has the speed, uh, that speed's there, but even watching the senior bowl, like, I didn't like the way he ran routes, and I didn't like his hands. Like, he, he felt like he had a lot of drops, so he kind of reminds me of MVS, uh, <laughs> Valdez Gantling, 
so that he could have those big boom games where he gets deep, catches some, but he's also going to get deep and drop, you know, wide open passes, I feel personally. So I'm not really in on Watson too much. I prefer Lazard. And I'm kind of intrigued by the, the names coming up in camp. So I don't know if you're going to mention it or not, but do you know the popular name right now? Is it Dobbs, Packers camp their fourth receiver? rounder? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Romeo Dubs. So he's out of Nevada, uh, played out there with, with Carson Strong. But rave reviews from him right now, uh, beating all the defenders. If you watch any of the, the highlight videos or check out any of the Packers beat writers, like he's getting behind Stokes. He's leaping up over other guys. So – I think Romeo Dubs is probably the the value that you would take at receiver if you believe the camp hype. And right now I do. Um, he was really good, I thought, in Nevada as well. Again, that's West Coast. So a lot of people didn't see him. They were in bed by the time those games were <laughs> kicking off. But uh, he's a talented guy, and he's probably the one I would lean from a value standpoint at wide receiver for the Packers core. Fair enough. Yeah, I like, I like that choice. And I like how, for him, he wasn't like a – a fourth rounder because he was a fourth round level of talent. He was kind of a fourth rounder because, you know, injuries and stuff like that mm-hmm. m- more instead, it seemed like, at least to me, I think he had the talent level to maybe go a little higher in the draft. So that doesn't necessarily knock him. The fact that he went so late, but he's outside the top 100 at wide receivers. You don't need to pay anything for him and a great choice as well. I agree with that. I like Watson because of his price. And I think yeah. even if there's a low percentage chance that he becomes something, it's still good enough to take it in the seventies where he is now. Lazard also I like I think I I mean in general I don't understand I mean Rodgers is going to have to throw to somebody and I think still Rodgers is going to have top half of the league passing attempts this year I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's going because he I mean he's Aaron Rodgers there's not going to go away from throwing the ball just makes no sense that's not how they're going to win a Super Bowl if he's going to have even a moderate level of passing attempts how is Alan Lazard not a guaranteed wide receiver three next year how is somebody here not ascending as like potentially an upside dart throw week to week like it doesn't make sense there have to be at least a couple guys i think who are going to be somewhat relevant well he's gonna he's gonna make one of these guys a star mm-hmm. and you saw like brady like back in the new england days like a lot of folks got on the patriots because you had guys like you know troy brown Dion branch even your welkers and edelmans you know they they kind of came out of nowhere for an extent but they became stars because of, of brady uh, obviously, once he got like Randy Moss, and they just exploded and almost went undefeated. But Rodgers is going to make one of these guys uh, a star. Um, I don't want to forget Amari Rodgers either. You know, they spent a high draft pick on him a couple years ago. Uh, haven't really heard much about him in camp. But, you know, out of Rodgers, Dubs, Watson, you got to feel like one of these guys are going to explode and become a star just because of the talent that's throwing them the football. Yep, 100%. And I think most – I just generally think that most of these guys are going a little low. Like it's the fact that you can get anybody, anybody except Lazard, you can basically get for free. Lazard doesn't cost much either, but I still think at least for the start of the season, Lazard's locked in to that wide receiver one role with Aaron Rodgers, And he's already been pretty good in the past. Like when Adams was out, we, I think, I mean, especially more in 2020 than 2021, we would see a few games where Lazard would pick up a touchdown, get a few receptions and actually be like very, very good for fantasy. So he can do it on his own for sure. It's not just a matter of like, I don't think he's going to be great on his own, but he can still put up production. Yeah. And, and think about other top quarterbacks and who we've drafted because just the quarterback alone. So we talked about Pringle earlier with the Bears. He was getting drafted late last year because of Mahomes. 
McCole Hartman, I don't, I don't see it. I see the speed. I don't see anything else with Hartman, but yep. people are drafting Hartman. Uh, you got, you know, your Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, Jamison Crowder, all those guys are going because of Josh Allen. So when you have that quarterback talent, people are going to draft you. Russell Gage, I mean, he was solid with Atlanta, but now that he's with Brady, a lot of people are taking Gage. I've seen Julio's. He hasn't been good in two, three years, but all of a sudden he's skyrocketing now because he's in Tampa. So having that top quarterback is going to have some of these guys start to to climb in ADP, and none of the Packers receivers are doing it, which I just don't understand with Aaron Rodgers throwing them the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So the Packers are going to be interesting. I think a lot of value there to be had just in general, especially at RB and wide receiver in terms of fantasy drafts. Last team in this division is the Minnesota Vikings. They're probably the team that didn't have much turnover this offseason. It seems like it's always been Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen there at this point, even though Jefferson's only been in the league a couple of years. But is Kirk Cousins anything different than he was the last few years, or is he just a solid QB2 for you now in this offense? I think he's different because their their biggest turnover for me was their their head coach. So that's fair, they're yeah. bringing in Kevin O'Connell now. Mike Zimmer's gone. He was a defensive guy. We heard he didn't like Kirk Cousins. So now you got an offensive guy in there um he's a big fan of cousins that gave him a contract extension so i think he's a qb1 that's why i i personally took him as my qb1 in the, the scott fishbowl draft this year so mm-hmm. i love cousins this year I, I love his weapons obviously the the big one uh being jefferson but i just feel like having an offensive minded head coach uh who actually likes him for one and is maybe going to give him a little bit of free reign is going to really help him out this season mm-hmm yeah, I think I can partially agree with you there. I would say, like, in Scott Fishbowl, I like that pick a lot. Like, you're mm-hmm. talking it, – it really depends on the format for me for Cousins. And in SFB, he's a high completion percentage guy with good weapons who's probably not going to throw a ton of picks. And he did just see an upgrade in the head coach. So, like, not a pretty solid, consistent guy to have at QB. If you're going to take him as your QB1, I mean, that's a great value. I think you were actually the latest on any QB1 in our division, and yet still did pick up Cousins, who's going to be solid for you. So that's not something to be worried about, for sure, if you're pursuing value at other positions. But in a single quarterback redraft league, I'm not going after Kirk Cousins because there's like five of him sitting on the waiver wire every week, depending on whatever matchup these guys have. I don't know the reason to because we've seen it for a number of years and we've seen him with different guys. It's not just like we've seen him with Zimmer back in Washington. Of course, he was with various OCs. I mean, he had Jay Gruden as head coach. He had Sean McVay, offensive genius as his offensive coordinator for a while. And I mean, wasn't anything crazy. I think we know what he is at this point. I don't see, I think the part where I would disagree a little is that Mm -hmm. the coaching change isn't going to change him much in my eyes. It may help his pass attempts, but I don't see him taking a leap. Like he's now like what, 33. He's been with these guys. O'Connell's not changing everything for him in my opinion. And I guess he was trying to remember, was he actually with O'Connell in Washington for a season? That might help. Potentially, potentially. Well, I have to look that up, but I mean, even with, with what he's had, he's been what QB 11, back-to-back years with Zimmer and so we're, we're talking about one one quarterback leagues if you're a 12-team league he's still falling into a starting quarterback and in the one quarterback league with 12 teams because he's been 11 2020 and 2021 so I feel like he's going to crack the top 10 and I, I think O'Connell's going to be a part of that but I mean who's one of the the top receivers that everyone's drafting it's usually going to be Cup Jefferson mm-hmm. or Chase. And so yeah. you got to think about Jefferson's going to kind of push him up there as well, just with his talent alone, because he's going to be better, I feel. So I do like Cousins. I think he's going to finish in the top 10 
he may not be anything different, but I feel like he's going to have more opportunity to throw the ball. He's going to have a little bit more leeway uh, with the coach that he has. And so that's why I'm on him kind of big time this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, it's just, I guess, like, I I think you're most likely going to be right that cousins who is at quarterback 15 will finish higher than quarterback 15, but at that spot, the replaceability of those guys and the fact that you can just find them on your wires means I'll just mostly rather take a shot on a running back or receiver, even at his price. Like he's one of those guys who I will like, he, he, I will perpetually rank lower, not because I think he's going to finish at that spot. And I try to do that sometimes with my rankings where I'm like, I'm not ranking Kirk Cousins at quarterback 15 because I think he's going to be the quarterback 15. I don't see him having top eight upside. He might have top 10 upside and be like QB 10, but like, Top eight there. I mean, it might be there if you're like really think that Kevin O'Connell is going to transform this a lot, but he had pretty good numbers last year and has had pretty good numbers his whole career. He just hasn't been anything crazy ever. And he's had many, many, many years as starter with many different coaches and many different weapons. So it's fine. And it's a good guy to have on your roster. It's nice when you have a, he has a good matchup for sure. And if he slips a bit in drafts, I would like that definitely. But at it's like if that's his absolute ceiling, I'm not going to really go for him, even if I think he's going to finish higher than maybe quarterback 15 by a couple or a few spots. Yeah, I can understand that. We're we're, we're on different levels of, of Kirk Cousins, it sounds mm-hmm. like. And definitely, I mean, I'm even taking in the the indoor factor. So you look at Minnesota now; they they play indoors, so all that is kind of runs through my mind. And we'll see, we'll see where he finishes. But I I think it's going to be top 10. I could be wrong, but I know he didn't have that rushing upside, but Again, I, I like his arm. I like his accuracy. He's not going to throw a lot of picks. Only thing that worries me about Kirk Cousins is prime time. Uh, as long <laughs> as he got a lot of one o'clock games, then we're golden. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. I mean, you should check his schedule because maybe maybe he's one o'clock the whole year, and it's going to be fine. He'll come out there with nobody watching and be great. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And yeah, and overall, there's no. There is something to be said for his floor in the fact that he's had over four thousand yards past couple of years. Never had a completion percentage below 64% ever in a full season that he's been a starter, which is actually pretty crazy. So like he's good. And in in like Scott Fishbowl, like I said, that's, that's big when you have that, that, because you think about a guy like Trey Lance next year, who a lot of people are taking for upside, like comparatively, he has the rushing upside that Kirk Cousins doesn't. He also has the chance to have a 58, 57% completion percentage, and Kirk Cousins also doesn't. And Kirk Cousins will exactly. continually get that baseline of points over Trey Lance over and over and over to where Lance is going to have a much have to have a much bigger game in that format to exceed him. I agree. Again, I like him. We, we had to talk about like Irv Smith, you know, coming back at tight end, good pass catcher. If he can stay healthy, I know you Talk about Thielen, everyone thinks he's going to break down at some point, but all he does is catch touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, KJ Osborne, you know, he's starting to climb. So I just, I don't know. I like the Vikings. They're the only threat, I think, to the Packers in this division. So we'll see how it plays out. I think they open up week one, you know, at home against Green Bay. So that should be a, a pretty good statement game that they could make uh, uh, for, for both the Vikings and for Kirk Cousins. Yeah, definitely. Next question for the Vikings is, I guess the running back who has been dominant over there for the last few years, Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook continually will finish top five. Seems those injury troubles of the past are behind him. And it wasn't really like he struggled with the same sort of thing over and over, the same type of injury over and over. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense now that 
it's possible Dalvin Cook's injury-prone label was a bit premature because he spent the last couple of seasons really completely healthy, as healthier than most RBs. Do you think he's being overlooked, though? Like, I think a lot of times he's being ranked as the RB4 on Fantasy Pros. That's mm-hmm. definitely a, pretty high up. I've seen him, though, kind of definitely around, like, that RB4, RB5 range, which is a good spot to take him, in my opinion. I think the other guys ahead of him have a lot of upside. But are we overlooking his upside just because he's been consistent for the last few years? Like, I, I still see him as having pretty much as much upside as almost anyone, maybe not named CMC. Would you agree with that? I agree. Like I, I like Dalvin Cook. I liked him at, at Florida State. And I don't know why he's kind of going overlooked. I don't know if it's because he's in Minnesota and, you know, you got the whole Justin, Justin Jefferson aspect. But, I mean, he when he's healthy, he's, he's stellar. He's explosive. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. Uh, I think he even changed his number. He said he feels faster. Uh, in his college number, so I'm pretty sure he changed his jersey number as well. Um, but he has a good back behind him, um, Alexander Madison, and he barely sees the field when Dalvin Cook's healthy, and that that tells you something, I feel, and it's because Cook's just that good. So if he's on the field, he, he's definitely top four. Again, I think there's there's probably three right there heading, you know, with Eckler now, but I mean, he was really top three going into the last season. But he's right there with, with Henry, I feel. Uh, that's kind of the debate range. I think it goes, you know, Taylor, McCaffrey, Eckler, then it's either Cook or Henry uh, for most folks. So I do like Cook. I do feel like he's he's kind of going over, underlooked, I guess you could say. So I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Um, I, I enjoy him. If he's healthy, he's going to have a stellar season. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, he. I mean, he's just as talented as he ever was. Still one of the just most purely talented RBs in the league. And think one of the games that's really was forgotten for him almost just the fact that he messed up his shoulders so bad in week 12 missed one week came back I think it was even a Thursday night game against Pittsburgh and ran for over 200 yards against that yeah. defensive line who who else can do that in the league I can't name another person I can't name another player who I know could do that but Dalvin Cook did he's he he doesn't get the the love he deserves I don't know why but I'm I'm taking him if I if I'm in that position I'm taking Dalvin Cook and again he's another one of the reasons where I, I feel like the Vikings are are kind of set up for success because they do have offensive talent they can shore up that defense if they can stay healthy overall I, I like the Vikings um I still think the Packers will win the division but I like the Vikings quite a bit this year yeah, fair enough. And they they seem to be the favorite for that second spot in the division, but could maybe take a step up next year. That who, who knows? Maybe mm-hmm. that coaching change is all they need. And Zimmer, he did limit that passing game a little bit, but maybe we'll f- see a better balance with O'Connell. I don't think that takes away from Cook's production at all, though. He'll just be more efficient if the offense is being run better. I agree. I agree. It should open things up, and that's that's mm-hmm. what I'm looking forward to 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 kind of see. I mean, they they leaned heavy on Cook when he was when he was healthy. So if he. Yep. He can be more efficient, still get his touches, and they'll be golden, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a couple questions left here. Let's move to the wide receivers, I guess. How much upside do you think there is for Jeff Justin Jefferson now who took a step up in year two after his incredible rookie season? And like you, I guess you kind of answered this for Thielen, but what do you think about Thielen? Like, you think he's going to continue to dominate? I think he's still a great red zone threat, and I'm not mm-hmm. going away from Thielen until I see a visible decline. Like, I think he's a value right now in drafts as well. And that Jefferson probably, I, I would say, has, I, I would say he has wide receiver a one overall upside. I think probably the third highest likelihood to do so because he has maybe a more consistent floor than like guy like Jamar Chase. But I like Chase's ceiling a little better and I like Cooper Cup's ceiling a little better. But I think the upside's there for wide receiver one overall. Would you agree? 
It is there, but he's he's getting drafted right around there too. So I mm-hmm. know he's right around three, four. But I've seen him come off the board wide receiver one quite a bit. Yeah. So from a from an ADP standpoint, I don't think he has any more upside. Uh, from a production standpoint, yeah, he can he can put up more fantasy points per game. I feel like he will probably put up more. Um, I agree. I still like Thielen quite a bit. Everyone's waiting for him to regress. But again, when you have a connection with uh, your quarterback, sometimes it just fits. And that's why he continues to score touchdowns. If he knows where he needs to be and if Kirk Cousins is going to get him the ball where, where he's going to be at, there's going to be success. And that's why Cup and Stafford had such a big year. They just were connecting on all cylinders. I feel like Cousins and Thielen do that, even if his volume isn't there because Jefferson's more talented. Thielen's still going to get his. He's still going to score touchdowns because of the connection and just the smarts that he has to, to kind of get an open space and be where the quarterback needs him to be. Yeah, and that gives him a lot of week-to-week upside for sure. I guess the last part for the Vikings, and I think, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I'm with on Thielen as a value. Mm-hmm. And Jefferson, yeah, I, I'm a little confused. I, I always get a little confused about Jefferson going at wide receiver one because of the fact that a lot of people's logic who say that is just – Cooper Cup's not going to finish there again. You can't like I never get that logic because it's always for me like, well, what's you're you're thinking you're thinking about it as like Cooper Cup versus the field, but think about it as what's the likelihood in any given year? How many times has the individual wide receiver two in a year finished individually as the wide receiver one the next year? It's also very low, I'm sure. Yeah. Like it almost never happens for any individual player. I'm sure Cooper Cup won't finish as the wide receiver one next year, but I'm not betting on Justin Jefferson to do it. Instead, I'm drafting cup first easily every time because he already did it. And maybe Justin Jefferson has that upside too. I think he could, if everything breaks right, have a Cooper cup season, but Cooper cup already did it. So he's my easy way. He did it by so much. Like cup was hands down like one, like I think Adams may have been two, um, depending on if you're looking at PPR, half PPR, but cup was hands down wide receiver one. Only concern I think you have is Stafford's elbow right now. There seems to be concerns in camp with Stafford's elbow. But mm. other than that, what even if he drops, you know, him dropping still going to be wide receiver yeah. one as long as he doesn't plummet. Yeah, absolutely. He just was far and away better than everybody else. At And, yeah, he could e- easily lose like 30 targets probably and still end up being there based on his – if he kept up that last season's pace. Yeah, so what do you think of, of Osborne since we're, we're on receivers – KJ Osborne, I know he's going a little late. Do you feel like you feel like he can take a step, or what did you see with him on the field last year? Probably not take a step, but maybe from do a little bit more of what he did last year and keep that up. Like, because for what we saw for a few weeks was that I mean he was able to find the soft spot in the defense really well mm-hmm. and was just like I mean he was pretty consistently open. Just he wouldn't always be involved of course because they've got two studs and a stud running back there and Mike Zimmer mm-hmm. that week one to week six stretch was really good and then after the bye it was just kind of gone I but I think maybe we see what it's gonna be similar to what we saw last year in my opinion I think Osborne's camp hype is real because we saw him produce on the field and then in week one oh man it's against Green Bay 38 to 35 final score and Cousins throws for four touchdowns or something which is a very real possibility if like there's a shootout week one game and then maybe KJ Osborne has a huge game because then there's plenty of targets to go around. It's all mm-hmm. going to depend on the matchup for him. It's all going to depend on how much they're throwing the ball. But I think he could start off the season very strong. Yeah, I was curious because he finished like wide receiver 40. Like he was ahead of mm-hmm. guys like Corton Sutton, Chase Claypool, 
Uh, Elijah Moore, who's a big rookie, Russell Gage. So he, he finished ahead of those guys. Obviously, he probably had more opportunity than some of those guys. But that's that's the reason I'm intrigued. If he's if he's now a part of that offense, he's not just filling in when someone was injured. I was just curious your thoughts there. Yeah, I I am agree with you that he. I mean, he could start off well. He could he was and yeah, you're right. He was pretty consistent last, or I guess not consistent last year, but he was he did put up a decent overall finish last year. Mm-hmm. But just like. There were a couple games though for me where in weeks 13 and 14, for example, like that was, those were really the only games where he had, those were actually like, he only had three games after the buy in which he had more than five targets. Those were two of them and ended up just catching seven of his 16 those weeks. So it just, it it, maybe that wasn't necessarily as much of an issue as it kind of just didn't line up for him on the days where he wasn't getting targeted as much. He was, I mean, catching most of them, but then in a couple of them, he started to get trusted more and it just wasn't, the connection just didn't quite go through. And sometimes that can happen where it's just like, he had a few games of a stretch where he was just gone. That doesn't necessarily mean he, it doesn't, it definitely doesn't mean he became a bad receiver because he's 25 (laughs) young and talented. Like he, if things break right, he could keep up what he did at the start of the season for a lot more of the season and potentially be a wide receiver three, who knows? And he's going late. I agree. I agree. Last question, I guess, for the Vikings goes to the tight end, and it's Irv Smith, who you brought up earlier. Uh, what is his range of outcomes for next year? Because for me, I like him okay, and Mike Zimmer seems to hate him. But again, that that could be something that changes with the coaching's change. But last year, it was I was so off of Irv Smith, and I think everybody was, as soon as Mike mm-hmm. Zimmer said, Tyler Conklin's our guy. Like, he... That was such a weird moment, too, to me, because it was like, what do you think about Irv Smith next year in terms of his breakout is what they had asked him. And he literally responded by saying, I think Tyler Conklin is going to be the guy who has the breakout. So he just he did not like Irv Smith at all. Uh, but he, he was right. Conklin, he he was right. Conklin finished like what, 15, I think. And he I was right. He's, he's like the starter for the Jets. Like he's ahead of Uzama right now. But I think Irv Smith's going to have every opportunity uh, to be successful. You look at the depth chart behind him. It's pretty ugly. They got what Fson and I think it's Johnny Munt. So they, they don't really have anyone behind him. So if he can stay healthy on the field, big question mark, because I think he hurt his finger already this this training camp. So yeah. it's all about health. If he can stay healthy, he's gonna have every opportunity to be successful and he could finish, you know, in that top 15 easy like Conklin, maybe even higher, just because of his athleticism. Like he's an athletic guy talented guy showed it in college it's just all about staying on the field for him yeah and you're right yeah Conklin ended up being just like the guy who really I mean he he it wasn't just because of the Zimmer comment he did go out there and produce for a little while but it was just funny to me like that was just (laughs) kind of the nail in the coffin to me where Irv Smith was never going to be a fantasy superstar as soon as his own coach got asked about his breakout and just was like, no, but really his fellow tight end is the guy instead that's going to be a breakout is what he essentially went with, who did break out. But then, like, again, there's the coaching change, and he was a former first-round pick. It's easy to forget that. Absolutely. That's the key. That's the key. And, again, the coaching can matter. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure Irv Smith himself is very thrilled to to have another (laughs) head coach that will at least give him an opportunity Versus saying that the blocking tight ends, the guy you got to worry about. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that wraps up all the questions here, I think. And this was a lot of fun, Pierre. It's great to talk to you and great to discuss the NFC North. Um, I guess, I guess that wraps it all up. So if you have anything else, I guess just remind people where you're at, where they can find you. And then we can wrap this up. It was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, thanks for got thanks again for having me. Um, I'm at Twitter at Pwe31 P W E E number 31. I uh, can find my stuff at Fantasy Impact Today. Uh, DFS streamers. Uh, so DFS NFL is right around the corner. So get on me for your DraftKings fan duel Yahoo. I'm the guy to listen to and holler at. Yeah, absolutely. And I know very little about DFS. So don't come here if you want DFS. Go listen to Pierre for sure. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for hopping on. It was a lot of fun. And to the listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't checked it out, also check out that NFC East episode um, with Shane, which I'm about to record actually right after this. That is also in your feed unless anything changed there. I'm sure it didn't. But uh, thank you guys for listening and I'll see you next time.